I'm juiced up. I'm fucking gassed up right now. I just recorded a TikTok. I would put Addison Ray to shame. We got to talk some sports. It's the Detroiter. I've been up north um, golfing. Took third Friday. Didn't do anything. I've been chomping at the bit, dude. I've been bottled up far too long. I feel like the genie. I got to get out, stretch my legs a bit, air it out. News, 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 news. We got all kinds of things happening too. Lions lose again. Um, not only did they lose this time, they made it a little interesting for us and got fucking dominated. So that was kind of a cool little wrinkle they decided to throw in. Jared Goff seems to be getting worse as the weeks go by, usually in sports and life and pretty much anything. Um, as you gain experience, as time goes further by, you get more comfortable, you get better. In Jared's case, he's kind of zigging when everyone else is zagging. He's just getting worse. He's missing easier and easier throws. Fourth down, wide open guys. Let's throw it to the double covered guy. I'm starting to hit the wall with him. Like I, I haven't been the the pitchfork mob person who's it's Jared Gull's fault. He's never gonna win here. We gotta get rid of him. I haven't been in that camp. I've actually been the opposite of that camp. I don't really think this team being fucking ass has really been golf's fault at all. I mean, the team's horrible. Sure, golf's not great. We could upgrade there. Matthew Stafford, as we're seeing in real time, single-handedly won like four or five games a year for us at least. Jared Goff, not that kind of player. When you replace a Stafford with a Goff, you lose those five free wins for having Matthew Stafford as a quarterback. And now the rest of the team, mind you, the QB is one of 22 positions who contribute to a game. Now the rest of the team, we downgraded the one, we lost five wins. Now the rest of the team is showing through and they're terrible. Um, Goff though, not great. I think, I think it's time, like, Whatever, I know Goff's on the contract. He's been to the Super Bowl. I don't really give a fuck, to be honest with you. He hasn't done anything in Detroit. He hasn't – there's no reason for anybody here to be a loyalist to Jared Goff at all. There's no reason for that. Dan Campbell, you're 0-6. Nothing's working. You're you're finding incredible ways to lose games. And when you're not doing that, you're just getting downright kicked the shit out of. You're getting curb stomped. You're getting embarrassed. Um, not even to a great team like Cincinnati's fine, but they lost to the bears. They're Cincinnati. They were horrible last year, two years before that they were even worse. Like it's not like the Patriots or the chiefs are coming in here and kicking your ass. The Cincinnati Bengals are making a fucking joke out of you at home. It's going in the wrong direction. There's no signs of things getting better. There's no signs of improvement to be honest with you. I mean, Derek Barnes had a nice game. But you look across the lines, you look across all 22 guys, what is there to look at this week and say, hey, well, at least this happened. Jack Fox got a good workout, like he's sharpened. Uh, is that it? Like, I don't know what else there is to fucking point to. At least we got to see our stud punter kick a few balls. That's it. I mean, the defense was good. They've been good the past few weeks. Terrible this week. The offense has been bad the last few weeks abysmal this week i mean they're moving the offense is going the wrong way the defense is going the wrong way the energy the morale's going the wrong way i mean at some point it happened to us in high school dude we went in, in my my junior year we were fucking what were we three and six my senior year we were one and eight you could feel during those seasons by week five by week six you know you're not going to make the playoffs you know it's like damn we kind of suck you can feel it going to practice every day. You can feel that in the air where it's like, God damn, dude, this is like, this blows. Everybody knows it. It's you're not fucking brain dead. Everyone knows, well, this season's useless. Like 
Kind of wish I didn't have to come to practice today. Cause it's fucking pointless. <laughs> you, I'm sure that's there as much as Dan wants to say, you know, they're going to fight hard. They're going to buy in as much as they'll say that as much as they want, maybe to buy in and keep fighting and keep believing whatever, whatever they say, whatever they think, whatever they want to feel. I ha- find it hard to believe that there isn't some of that where they're not like looking at each other like Dude, this, like we fucking suck. You're telling me none of that's happening. I refuse to believe that. Things are going the wrong way. There's no signs of it getting better. I don't know what you want me to say about the Lions. I mean, they got embarrassed. The game was a joke. Nothing really to say, right? What I do have a lot to say about is Michigan State and Mel Tucker. I got a ton to say about that. We got a little bit on the Red Wings. Pistons come out or Pistons start Wednesday. I'll be at the game. Please tell me Kate's playing. We'll do all that. Okay, let me take a quick break and we'll get into it. All right, I think that we're just going to leave it there with the lines. I can't I, – I fucking can't, guys. I can't get myself to come on here where we're 0-6, the division's toast, the team fucking stinks. I made a – they're, they're, they've gone from like, oh, maybe something's good going to happen bad, like the frisky bad that they were with Stafford. Yeah, they still would lose five, six games or win five, six games. They were They were trash, no doubt. At least those teams like gave you hope. At least I could turn them on on a Sunday, and it was like, all right, maybe they'll win. I fucking know that they're not going to win now. They've gone from kind of fun bad to just pathetic bad. I can't get myself to rehash a fucking game where they lost 34-11. Should have just been 34-3, but they got a garbage-time touchdown. I can't get myself to come on here and seriously like, oh, man, this guy played well or this guy didn't. I just fucking can't. What's the point? What's the point? It's like on the Thursday episodes. I can't get myself to say, you know, all right, we're playing the Vikings. Like, this is what I'm looking for. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. It's like changing the oil on your car that's about to fucking explode. It's like, what's the point, dude? Just let it, it's about, it, don't waste your money on the oil change. It's about to fucking blow up. That's how I feel with the lines. It's a dumpster fire. It's like throwing a bottle of water into a dumpster fire. It's just not going to do shit. Uh, we'll talk about them. That, be, that being said, that being said, I'll reluctantly talk about them on Thursday, but I'm going to save the rest of what I got to say for then because I don't want to talk about this past week. I don't even really talk, want to talk about whoever. I don't even know who they play next or the Rams. I guess that'll be fun to talk about, but it's not even that I want to like get into that game. Oh, what can the Lions do? I just want to talk about the state of the Lions and some advice for Dan Campbell, I guess. I'm not, I don't know why I would ever be qualified to give Dan Campbell advice, but like what I would do if I was Dan. Some changes that, listen, nothing's going to change the fate of this season. You're not going to do anything now that's going to get it unless, I don't know. I don't even know. Unless Cam Newton's 2011 Cam Newton and he wants to play in Detroit. Like, you, there's nothing you can do now that will make the season interesting as far as wins and losses. But there are things I think he can do where it's I don't, just a little bit of life. Like, we're at fucking 1% life support right now. I think there's some things he can do to get us back to, like, 40 30%. Get a little bit of the blood pumping. So I'll talk about that on Thursday. I have nothing to say now. And the more I talk about the Lions – the more I talk about like just how fucking bad they are, like it's 
it's depressing bad. It's spirit killing bad. It's I don't want to spend my Sundays watching anymore bad. Stafford, you could watch. Maybe Stafford will play a hell of a game and they'll pull one out. Maybe it'll just be close. Maybe it'll be competitive. Now I'm watching the game and I'm sitting there like, damn, dude. We fucking suck, man. Not like, uh uh-oh, we're going to have to steal this one. Like, damn, I feel bad that Jared Goff has to play against these guys because he's so much worse than them. Damn, dude. I feel bad that Dan Campbell has to be the coach of these fucking bums. That's where we're at. It's depressing to watch. It makes me question why the Lions are allowed on the same field as half these teams. It's fucking sad. It makes me like I, I like I gain a distaste almost for football. Like I resent football in the NFL because the Lions are so fucking bad. I just can't do it. So we're gonna move on. Um, fun stuff this week though. The Red Wings, dude. The Red Wings opening night. They played Thursday night. Played again on Saturday against Vancouver. I watched like two periods of Thursday night. Like I said at the top. Um, I went up north to golf this weekend, so I was on the road during the first game, watched a little bit. The fucking reception was in and out. I mean, kind of comes with the territory, I guess. It would cut – I swear to God, it would cut out on me at the worst times too. It was brutal. I didn't see one Tampa goal. They scored six. I didn't see one of them. They scored seven, actually. I didn't see one. Didn't see the last half of the third or overtime because I. that's when we were just full-on, like, dead zone. So that sucked. I mean, the fact that – the last time I was there, it was or I was watching, it was 4-1 Red Wings. I got it back for a little bit, and Tampa had made it 4-3. Next thing I know, it's I think it was 6-4 or 6-5 Red Wings, and then it, they lost in overtime. So I just was jumping around. It sucked. The fact that they lost that game sucked. I thought well, from what I saw, they dominated. Again, <laughs> I missed the part where Tampa scored all their goals. But from what I saw, the Red Wings looked good. And then Vancouver, they beat 3-1 on Saturday. I didn't see that, unfortunately. Did watch the highlights, though. Wings looked good. I got to say, I don't want to dive too much in because the the further we get into football season and the further um, Detroit becomes irrelevant, the lo- I mean, they already are, but the further it's like I can't even bring them up for five minutes on here. We'll do more and more Red Wings. Pistons are starting. We'll do more and more Pistons. And we'll dive into the Red Wings more. I mean, I I don't want to really talk about the Red Wings gameplay and, oh, the team looks like this just yet because, again, Saturday didn't get to watch the game. I just saw the highlights. Friday or the game Thursday, saw a little bit of it, but I haven't sat down and just balls deep on a Red Wings game yet. And I don't want to dive in really until I've seen at least a couple. I'm going to try to go to the game today when you're hearing this. Um, And I'm going to try to watch every single game I can, obviously. I mean – I should be in areas with service for the foreseeable future, so it should be doable. But I don't want to get into the wings a ton until I watch them play more. The one thing I wanted to address today is the attitude shift. The one thing I noticed it from what I saw in the Tampa game, I fucking noticed it from the Vancouver game. The Red Wings look like exactly what I said. Exactly what I said. Last week's episode, last Thursday, leading into the start of the season, exactly what I said. I wrote a blog today. I think I may have wrote a blog last week. Exactly what my sentiment around the Red Wings was coming into this season. They look to have – it's like they were fucking listening to me. They look to have embodied that. And that sentiment being, like, I know it's been bad. I know we've sucked. I know Detroit's been like, "Uh uh-oh, party city. Like, we're going to go out, get wasted, 
these guys suck. We're going to steamroll them anyway. I know that's what Detroit's been. The fucking players know that's what they've been. It's no secret. I just wanted this year, I wanted like the rallying cry and the main mission for sure. Win as many games for sure. Win the Stanley cup. I mean, like ideally that's the point of every sport, but more realistically, I wanted just the mission and the purpose and the goal of this season to just be stopping a pushover, essentially stop being the party city, stop being the game where other teams see Detroit and they're like, hell yeah, pretty much a night off. That shit needs to stop that shit. You're not going to start winning and you're not going to win a lot of games and you're not going to win meaningful games and you're not going to win playoff series until you, you start by stopping being a joke. If you're a joke, you're not going to win dick. First off, the joke thing, the Red Wings being the night off, the Red Wings being a team you can just come in and fucking clown for three periods, that shit's done. That shit's over with. That's the first step. That's all I wanted this season to be about. Again, win as many as you can. But that's what I wanted this season to be about. Whether it's physically roughing each other up, laying body checks, protecting Larkin, protecting Zadina, whatever. Okay, whether it's physically and fighting or with your hockey play, both, that shit needs to stop, right? If you play a dog shit hockey game, you should, the Red Wings this year, you should make people pay for that. If you come in here and you think you're going to just cheap shot Larkin and you think you're going to just stick your back, although the Zadina play was a little, whatever, just kind of a bad spot Zadina was in. But regardless, I love the fact that they went after his ass. If you're going to hit our skill players, if you think you're going to come in and, like, take out your frustration on the Red Wings, throw a cheap shot here, just come out and out physical us, fuck that noise. That's not happening either. That's been the biggest takeaway. Raymond's been great, this and that. The biggest takeaway is the physicality. Larkin got hit. All right. Uh, you could tell the moment Larkin started to get up, he was like, I'm going to fucking kill whoever did that. He found the first guy. It was Joseph. It's like he just looked for the first guy, and he cranked them in the face. For sure, sucker punch. For sure, suspension worthy. I'll take it, though. Great suspension. I'll take that shit all day. That is what I'm looking for, though. Larkin, you're going to ram Larkin into the boards? Okay, he's going to punch you in the mouth when you're not paying attention. Fine. Fine. He gets a one-game suspension. I don't care. That's fine. Shit like that is where that's that's what needs to start before you start winning games. You think teams gonna come in? Tampa does that and gets away with it. Now everyone's like, dude, you can fuck with Larkin all you want. Uh, uh Larkin took that coming off the neck surgery. He was pissed. I I think too. Certainly, Larkin was upset over the fact that he just had neck surgery and spent all summer rehabbing, and it was a cheap shot for sure. But I think what contributed to that maybe is more slept on is imagine how fucking annoyed Larkin is at that. You don't think for like a split second when he was on the ice and deciding, should I punch this guy in the fucking mouth? I guarantee you, he thought, dude, this shit has been going on the last four years, five years. It's done. This is not happening again this year. If I got to be the one to protect myself, fuck it. This is done. This is done. Nobody's getting away with any of that in Detroit anymore. I don't care if it's me punching them, Bertuzzi, Giovanni Smith. I don't care. It's not happening. Zadina, same thing. Clean hit, dirty hit. I don't care. Yeah, you hit Zadina. He's going to come after you. Smith's going to come after you. Bert's going to get in your fucking face and embarrass you on TV. I love the edge. I love the gooniness they're playing with. 
if you're going to lose games, at least be chippy. If you're going to lose hockey games, you're still rebuilding, you're still building the culture, a great place to start is by not taking shit. That's a great place to start. And guess what? Even if the Red Wings were winning games and it's like, oh, playoff team, Stanley Cup contender, if you take shit, that's going to hurt your chances. Someone's going to get hurt. You're going to get punked. You can't take shit. Ovi, you look at him, superstar, skill guy, scores a ton of goals. The Washington Capitals are probably like, yeah, Ovi, we'd rather you not hurl your body into people and fucking fight and do this and that. Ovi's like, I don't fucking care what you guys say. If someone hits me, I will make them pay for it. You don't get free hits. That doesn't exist anymore. Maybe before Detroit would say, oh, we're a young team. We suck, whatever. Nah, fuck that. Fuck that. Everybody pays for everything in Detroit. It's been beautiful to watch. It's refreshing. It's something that I feel Detroit has missed. The Red Wings have missed for a long-ass time. Something that I feel is necessary to return, especially the next few years. Mo Sider, young guy. Lucas Raymond, young guy. You have these stud young kids who, 27-year-old dudes, like, what, this kid's 19? All right, I'll fucking cup check him. What's he going to do? You cup check him, Bertuzzi's going to punch you in the face. I love that, too. That guy, Cup Check, Cider, Bertuzzi, straight left to the mouth. Absolutely, Tyler. Absolutely. That's fucking part of your job, baby. Keep it coming. If you want to give him two left hooks or left straights, do it next time. Knock his ass out. We'll take a suspension. I don't care. Nobody, don't let anybody mess with anyone. And the more that young guys start to come up into the lineup, Valeno, you already have Zadina, you have Raymond, you have Cider, Bergeron, maybe. Edvinson eventually, the more these young guys start to become prominent, the more other teams are going to try to mess with you. And the more you're going to have to say, uh-uh-uh, I will beat you at your ass if you touch Mo Sider. I will sucker punch you in the face and knock a tooth out if you try anything funny with Lucas Raymond. That's where we got to be before we get good. And I love what they've done. They've taken the steps there. It's been beautiful to watch. I don't know if it was like a player's thing where they, like Larkin and Bertuzzi kind of said, this like we're done with that shit. I don't know if Iserman directed them like, hey, this shit ends this year. I don't know who it came from or why it's starting to become this way, but I couldn't be happier about it. I think it's something the Red Wings have been missing for a while and an extremely necessary step in getting back to being good. Um, One other thing, I'm ju- I, Mel Tucker is just, eating away at my fucking brain right now. Just the idea, this whole LSU debate, the whole LSU narrative. Oh, is he going to go to LSU? Why would he stay at MSU? The whole at Mel Tucker thing's driving me fucking nuts. So I'm going to spend a ton of time on that, but it is the piston season opener. Now, now, well, tomorrow's the piston season opener. It's well-documented on here. If you've been following along, if you've listened to the podcast for a little while, uh, the Pistons are for sure my least favorite Detroit team. I don't really, you know, they're cool. Like, I like the NBA. I think they become more interesting now. Obviously, they have the young guys. They get another year. Promising young group. Kate Cunningham, you throw into the mix the first overall pick. When they got that pick, when they made that pick, most excitement, most energy I felt around the Detroit Pistons in my entire life, to be honest, the 04 championships, like the 2000s teams, yeah, I know they won. Like, I was aware of them. I didn't really care about them personally. I just have never been a huge NBA guy. I've only really gotten into it since I went to college. So 
those teams didn't really give a shit about, don't really remember, to be honest with you. Like, I remember them being good. I don't remember watching the Pistons beat the Lakers, though. I don't remember that. The 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 Cade news, most excitement I've ever felt personally and just like around Detroit, around you go on the internet, just the fan base, most excitement I've ever felt, to be honest with you, surrounding the organization. Cade's sick. Cade's a stud. He's been perfect, essentially, right, except for having a shaky ankle. He's been perfect since he's gotten here. What's not to love? It's an exciting season in Detroit, and I know that they're supposed to be bad again and this and that. They're young, whatever. I feel like I have a reason to watch. And that's the first time I honestly, I think I've ever been able to say that. Like I've never, I've become aware of the NBA and the Pistons to the point where like, I know what teams are good. I'm kind of following along, right? Like I've never been a all in NBA guy, right? NFL, college football, hockey, more all in. NBA, though, you know, I follow along. I know what's happening. I've never really felt like, oh, the Pistons are on. I got to watch them ever once in my life. It's even to the point, which is fucking sad. The Lions are like that. State's like that. NHL Red Wings are like that. Even the Tigers to an extent. Like the Tigers, at the be- they sucked this year. At the beginning of the second half this year, they had that little run where it was the Tigers for like two weeks were appointment television. I don't think ever in my life I've said, you know what? I have to watch the Pistons tonight. Wednesday, I'll be at LCA. I will be in the building for the season opener for the debut of future Hall of Famer Cade Cunningham, future NBA multiple-time NBA champion in Detroit, Cade Cunningham. I will be in the building. I am excited to be in the building. I'm excited to not only watch the Pistons and see what these young guys look like, see if Maybe we can fuck around and win some games. I mean, the Bulls are supposed to be good this year. You beat the, beat the Bulls on opening night? Fuck yeah, dude. The Bulls should. I mean, they, they have higher expectation than us. I'm excited to see if the young guys fuck around, win some games this year. I'm excited to see what Killian looks like, Sadiq, Stu, all these guys. Kate, obviously. I'm excited to just feel the energy in the building. I'm excited to go to a Pistons game and see. Because I've been to Pistons games. Shout out Smitty. Um, I'm lucky enough to have been to a good amount over the last few years, even though, you know, I don't care a ton about them. They're still fun to go to. And you can tell at the games, it's like, oh, everyone's just something to do. No one's like, oh man, like, let's get this place loud. The Pistons need our help. No, nobody's there dying, hanging by the edge of their seat, listening to the Pistons or watching the Pistons. I'm excited to go to LCA and feel, feel some buzz, feel some energy, feel some people like, Fucking things are happening. Shit's changing. I'm excited to just see what it's like. I know what the Red Wings feel like when it's good. I know what going to a Wings game when they're winning and when they have expectation and when they bring happiness to people. I know what that's like. I know what it means or what it feels like. Not that the Lions have ever really been good. I mean, a couple seasons, but I know what it's I know what it's like to be at a Lions game early in the season when they win and everybody's feeling good, they win to get to like three and two, right? Get to two and one where there's still hope. Everyone's feeling good. I know what that feels like. I know what Michigan state feels like basketball, football. I know what good tigers games feel like. I know what all of that feels like. I know that the there's capable or the teams are capable. Those buildings are capable of creating a special atmosphere where, you, you feel like you're impacting the game as a, as a crowd. You feel like 
something specials here. You feel like there's optimism and hope and people really believe. I, I'm excited to see what the feeling's like surrounding the Pistons. Because every time I've been to a Pistons game, it's been flat. It's been like, hey, well, we're just, you know, have a beer or two. Like, you're at the live sporting event. Pistons lose. Who gives a shit? Pistons win. Who gives a shit? I've been there. That's the only Pistons game I've been to. I want to go where it's people are living and dying with each possession. Where you're chanting, defense, Detroit, basketball. I want that. I want to see what the energy's like. I think things are changing. I think the day that they got Cade Cunningham, it was like, all right, this is a pivot point for the Detroit Pistons. I'm excited to see if they seize it. I just want to see. I think that energy in the building Wednesday is going to be incredible. I think, like I said, the excitement and positivity around the Pistons is very unique to me. I think it's going to be electric. I cannot wait to be there. And I can't wait to watch the Pistons this season. I can't wait to watch them Wednesday. And for the first time in my life, I can't wait for them to be, uh, hey, the Pistons are playing. At least for the first few weeks of the season, at least until we get to the point where it's like, oh, they are horrible again, forget it. For the first few weeks, I'm excited to go, hey, man, we got some cool players. We got Cade, we got Killian. Pistons are on tonight. We got to watch. I'm excited. I'm excited for that to be part of my life. Honestly, for the first time really ever, where I'm going to have to say, Wednesday night, Pistons playing. All right, that's what I'm doing tonight. Maybe we'll hang out, but I'm going to have the Pistons game on. I'm excited for that to be something in my life for the first time ever. Obviously, if they make the playoffs, that would be fucking awesome. But I'm just excited to want to watch the Pistons. As far as my expectations, I mean, what are there? Everything I've read, people who know more, much more invested than I am, doesn't seem good. (laughs) Doesn't seem like they're going to be great. Um, It seems like a rebuild. Seems like every fucking what Detroit's been doing for the last six years with every fucking team we have. Oh, yeah, let the young guys play. Maybe it'll be better next year. So that kind of blows. But there are draws. Cade Cunningham I like. Who doesn't? Killian Hayes, I think, good player. I like Killian. Stu, Sadiq, like there are reasons to watch. There is promise. There are guys that I could see, like that core, Killian, Sadiq, Stu, Cade, yeah, add a free agent, this or that. Jeremy Grant, add a, yeah, whatever. Those guys, they could win some games. Give them another year. Give them two more years. Those guys could win some games. I'm excited to see if they can win some games this year. I know the expectation. They're not supposed to make the playoffs. They're not supposed to be good at all. I'm still excited to see, can that team win some games this year? Why not, dude? They got some players. So I'm happy the Pistons are back. I'm happy I care. I don't know how many people out there Funny, I feel like I I say Detroit's every type of town. Say they're a basketball town, a football town, a baseball town, hockey town, obviously. I do feel like (laughs) they are a basketball town too, though. I'm excited, and I I wonder how many people now, for the first time, are going to dive into the Pistons because it's – when have the Pistons ever been interesting since 08? When I was fucking – in 08, I was like, what, 11? When have they ever been interesting? In my 16-plus life. Never. Never once. I'm excited to see how big the Pistons get, what the fan base is like, what the chatter is. When they're fucking interesting, let alone good, let alone winning. So I'm excited to see it. I'm happy they're back. I'm happy Cade. We're finally going to get to see him. Thank God, dude. Thank God they got Cade. (laughs) Thank God the Pistons have something positive. Thank God. I'm excited to see it. All right. 
me take a quick break and uh we'll do some Michigan State Mel Tucker. I can't decide because I don't know if I want to talk about the IU game. Again, I was fucking golfing. I tried to stream it, tried to watch. I, I was in and out for most of the game. Like I had it on the phone, but you're hitting golf shots. You're talking by the tee box. I was in and out. Like I watched some of it. I would say 50% obviously went back and watched the game highlights, but I wasn't there for every play. I wasn't as dialed in as I usually am. So we'll talk about the game a little bit similar to the Nebraska game. But what I really want to dig my teeth into is the Mel Tucker to LSU talk. That's the big story. That's the big news thing. That's what I want to talk about. Maybe we Thursday we can do a little more MSU IU, but the, I want to talk Mel. I have to. So quick break. We'll be back with some Mel. Mel fucking Tucker and the Louisiana State Tigers. I have to talk about it. It's been gnawing at me. I think I saw the first news maybe Sunday. Maybe it was Monday. I think Sunday, though. It was gnawing at me like a, I got a rat. This gnawing, annoying fucking rat. That's what it was like. I had I was Jack Nicholson in The Departed. I had a goddamn rat gnawing at my brain. I had to talk about it. There is so much I want to say. There's so much when it comes to this. First things first, I'd like to just get this off the chest. This isn't really the interesting part. This is the diplomatic like, hey, guys, think about it this way which is good and it's true and it's something that I agree with, but it's not the fun thing to talk about. It's not interesting. But that thing is, this is a good thing that people want Michigan State's head coach. That means he's doing a good job. When when the Cavs wanted Izzo, that's a good thing. They want the best coaches in the world. They think he's one of those guys, right? LSU, big-time program, whoever the next big-time, whether it's USC or maybe a Georgia at some point or, or Saban retires, or fucking Dabo at Clemson, who knows? If those programs are coming after Mel, that means he's doing an incredible job, and the reason they want him is to do an incredible job at their school. So that's a good thing. Ultimately, it's it happens, the rumors start, the arguments, the nerves, whatever. It all starts because something good's happening. So that's good to keep in mind. All the people celebrating, oh, the rumors, he, why wouldn't he leave to go to LSU? Imagine comparing Michigan State to LSU. Imagine thinking a coach would ever take the MSU job over LSU. There's so much that people just don't understand with that. There's so much that people don't understand. But the fact that that's happening is good. It's because we hired the people at, at will, the powers that be, I think that's the saying. They hired a successful person. They hired someone who knows what they're doing. And they hired someone who knows what they're doing to an elite extent. Okay? So very good. And it's going to happen. That's sports, dude. That's college football. That's that's anything. The, the big fish want the best people. That's why they're the big fucking fish. Right? That's going to happen. That's the way it is. NFL teams exist. Who knows one day that could be another door where now it's, hey, you get the chance to coach professional football. I don't know if Mel's uh, – yeah, I know he was an assistant in the league for a while. I don't know if he's a, a pro guy, like that's his ultimate goal. I don't know if he wants to coach pro or if his ultimate goal is to just be a blue blood college coach or maybe go back to Wisconsin. I was talking today. I know LSU, big-time program. They love their football, big-time program. They've had their success over the years for sure. USC, same deal, although they haven't really been good since Reggie Bush, which is crazy. I feel like USC is a blue blood now. I get it's LA, 
hotbed for recruiting, but I look at USC, I'm like, ugh, these guys are kind of like a joke. <laughs> no offense. And then again, I get the allure of, hey, let's go to USC and turn it around. When people say, though, I get that they're a blue blood, quote unquote. I fucking hate what we base blue blood off of. I just view it as the allure behind the program. Like I get the allure as far as LA, you're a star. If you win, you're a God. Um, and it's fucking sweet that you're in LA and you can re- just recruit. You, you don't need to take cross country flights to recruit if you don't want to. You can just recruit within a hundred mile radius. I get that. But at the same time, I'm like, what is cool about USC? What to me makes me have any interest? LA would be cool. But at the same time, do people like when I look at USC, for instance, I'm like, it's LA. Do people like care about football there? I feel like anytime I watch a USC, UCLA, anything game, it's like fucking 30,000. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like that hits to the extent of an Ohio State or a Florida State or an Alabama. It doesn't really feel like that when I just anytime I think about USC, I'm like, ah, they were cool before. But now it's like, why would anyone? I guess if you want to stay close to home, but like, why would a kid from New York say, you know what, I'm going to go to USC? It's like, dude, that's, there's so many, like go to US, go to LA once you're done with college. There's so many better places you could be before then. That's just my prerogative. I'm sure I'll get ripped apart for that. That's fine. I don't care. That's my prerogative. Again, LSU, I get the allure. But when I think about, I guess, blue blood programs, there are just the, the ones that are the ones that forever will be like Tennessee. There's never, I've never once in my life considered Tennessee a good football program. I don't know when the last time they won anything was, but I don't think it's while I was alive, maybe Peyton when Peyton was there and I don't remember it. I don't think of Tennessee is like, Oh shit, that's Tennessee. I'm like, dude, those guys fucking stink. They're supposed to be good every year and they never are. They literally never are, but they'd be considered a blue blood. I view as definitely like history and tradition. And again, the schools like Tennessee and the Michigan, same deal. Like as many bad seasons as Michigan's have, they'll forever be considered one. Texas is another. I get that. But I also feel like people don't or they way, way, way less weigh in like, yeah, but what happened while I was alive? You know what I'm saying? Like I get Michigan's got all these titles. Tennessee probably has all these records and titles. Texas, same thing. But like, what have you done that I care about? Like, oh, great. You won three national championships in 1946, seven and eight. Dude, World that was World War II. I watch World War II documentaries and I sit there in awe like, how the fuck did this actually happen? How is this real? That's what I think when I watch stuff from that time. If you're happy and you're proud and you're a blue blood because that's when you won. When, I'm, when I watch the timepieces and I'm like, what? this was real. Like I see a picture of Detroit from world war two and I'm like, Oh my God. Like, what is that? Well, how that's crazy that I don't know. It's just crazy. If you like, if that makes you a blue blood, okay, I get it. But I it's, are we not more concerned with like, okay, that's cool. And all like all those dead guys were good at football. I get it. But what like, what do I care about? Like, why should I care about Texas? I kind of remember that uh, Vince Young, the championship. Other than that, though, why should I? I vaguely remember Colt McCoy. Why should I really care about Texas? Why should I really care about Tennessee? Why should I say that they're a blue blood? I don't care what they did in the 60s or the – like, dude, I don't give a shit. 
I get th- the reason they're a blue blood. I'll tell you why is because Knoxville is probably incredible because the people who go there and get rich fucking care about football because they have one. So they want to keep winning for sure. That's where I think the history comes in is now your expectation is to win. Like let's, I, I, there's no blue blood that doesn't have history. Is there? I think that kind of defines the blue blood because then at those schools, you, it is, you just win or you're out. Right. I think that's kind of what forms the blue bloods, but some of these blue bloods, it's like, dude, you haven't done blue blood type shit since I was two years old. Like, what? I don't care about that. I don't care about that. That's kind of how I feel about some of these programs. That was long winded. But I say that to say, if I'm Mel Tucker right now, and I'm kind of peeking around LSU, that's an intriguing, if they offer them intriguing offer, 100%. But if I'm looking around, I'm thinking, all right, LSU, it's, it's, I don't know. He, I know he worked there as an assistant. I don't know how he feels about like living in Louisiana. Um, so they just won a natty and less than two years later, that guy's fired. That's weird because winning a natty is like pretty much impossible unless you're Alabama or Clemson. So maybe, I don't know. Do you feel like you should have a bigger grace period than that? Let me make some changes. Let me give this thing another correct two years and you're done. You just won a national championship. Okay. He looks at that. And then he looks at Michigan state. He goes, well, this year, if I won, if I just won eight games, we're seven and oh, but if I just won eight games, people would say, you know what? That's a great season before the season. Now it's let's win out this and that. If I did that at LSU, I don't think people would be very happy. So I have way less job security. Okay. The other thing, I have to play Alabama every year. Ugh, that kind of sucks. I have to play Georgia every year. That sucks. Why would I do that? Why would I choose to do that? Here, I only have to play Ohio State, really. I mean, I, I haven't recruited yet. Like, I quite literally, Mel Tucker just hasn't really recruited, at least – the people he has aren't playing. They aren't having any impact on his wins and losses. Um, and he's beaten Michigan. Okay. States beaten Michigan in the past, right? D'Antonio wasn't an elite recruiter. He figured out ways to beat Michigan. Um, he's beaten Penn or Michigan state's beaten Penn state in the past. Right. So it's just, all right, I got to play Ohio state and state's beaten them too with the guy who didn't really recruit well. So if I'm Mel, I'm looking at that going, all right, so MSU, like this program, they've gotten over the hump. They've beaten the mighty Ohio State. They've beaten them a few times when it really fucking mattered. They've beaten them a few times already with the coach who didn't really recruit. If they could do that with the classes he was pulling in, and my thing, my whole thing is I recruit, I'm going to bring elite football players to play here. That's your whole like gimmick. That's your whole thing. That's what. That's why LSU wants you. You're going to bring elite talent here. Okay, so states, you know, made the playoff before, beaten Ohio State a few different times, beaten Michigan, Penn State. They've done that with average talent. So if I bring elite talent here, you're telling me we just got to beat Ohio State and then we're in. What what's not to love? Why would you elect? to play Alabama and Georgia every single year. Why would you elect to do that? I don't understand that. I really don't understand that. That's a big thing I think people overshadow because now you go to LSU, you lose, you don't do as well because, hey, you know what? You're playing a tough fucking schedule. Who cares? You're 
bad coach. That takes a turn. That takes a turn for your career. I don't think it's the biggest inhibitor, but it's something that another reason, like why would he want to go there? Another thing. Okay. Another thing recruiting people say, Oh, you'd be in the, you'd be in the, whatever the a hotbed, Louisiana, Alabama, all these States with the elite talent are there. That's true for sure. And that is a positive, but on the flip side of that, he's now recruiting. Not only is he playing, he's recruiting against Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee for all of these guys, any operative guy he thinks he needs. That's who he's recruiting against. Sure. There's some of those same guys. He's going to recruit at MSU and he's going to try to go up against an Alabama or a Georgia. Absolutely. That's going to happen. He's going to lose some of those recruiting battles too, for sure. But he can pick and choose his spots at MSU, right? Like, yeah, all the recruits, I get the hotbed, all the recruits. He can get what he needs, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana. Right now, he hasn't pulled in any crazy recruits. No, I mean, he's pulled in some good ones. They're sitting at the 17th class in the country. He just was able to host recruits for visits. So he was just able to, like, actually recruit them for the first time in June. That's four months ago. He just was able to. He has the 17th highest class in the country in the next class. Mark D'Antonio's best class was after that college football playoff season, and I think they were 16 or 17 themselves. That was Mark D'Antonio after he'd been here for however many years, after MSU was a powerhouse, after they had been winning and winning at a very high level. The highest he ever pulled in was what Mel Tucker is sitting at today. After one offseason, after four months of actually being able to recruit, he's sitting at the same spot. Where, D- where D'Antonio peaked, he's sitting in the, in the same spot. And he's still, the class isn't done. Think about that for a second. Think about that. And Mel Tucker is just, just getting started. Just getting started. And he's already at the 17th. Yeah, it sucks that he's not going to have the kids of Louisiana and Alabama in his backyard. That does suck. He's already gotten a kid from Florida, a kid from Texas, a kid from, yeah, Keon Keon Coleman from Louisiana. He's already done that a few times. And the guys he wants, the guys he feels like he needs, he can pick his spots. If, yeah, it blows. You got to fly to Alabama, this and that, right? That sucks for sure. You can pick and choose your spots, though. Right, You can still pick and choose your spots if you need to have a guy. And you know what? When you don't and the 250th player that you know they're all kind of forgetting about sitting there, you can swoop in. You can give them, you know, hey, listen, this is what's going to be. Probably scoop a couple of those too. The head-to-head recruiting, because we felt it in the big time. The head-to-head recruiting is key, right? Michigan, he's got to recruit against. He already – Again, second class for the top 10 players in the state. He's already turned the tables in the state of Michigan. He doesn't have a better class than Michigan, but in the state of Michigan, he's pulling a better haul right now. Okay. Ohio State, that's tough for sure. You're going to have to recruit against them. But then Penn State, James Franklin's always on the hot seat. Again, another team. They don't really worry me as much. Like when I, it's Ohio State, Notre Dame kind of worries me too. They're in there. I guess those are some tough teams to recruit against, actually. I don't know. I I don't know what I'm saying. Those are some tough teams. I just – Alabama and Georgia and Clemson, it feels if they want a player, they have him, right? That's kind It just – that's how it feels to me. Like they are just elite, elite, elite top tier 
and those kids want to stay close to home and they want to go to Alabama. Ohio State recruits at an elite level, though. Michigan's very good. Penn State's also very good. So the recruiting's tough, too, I suppose. But that point remains. He already still has gotten guys. Louisiana, Florida, Texas. He's already gotten guys. California, the quarterback. He's already gotten guys from these states. Georgia, a bunch from Georgia. He's already doing it. And we're just getting started. He hasn't even set in his infrastructure. He hasn't, he's barely been able to host some of these kids. And he's already recruiting at a much higher level than Michigan State's used to. And in general, at a high level. I mean, Michigan, D'Antonio was doing that with like classes in the 30s, classes 30s, low 40s. Mel Tucker has a class at 17. We're 7 and 0. He has a class at 17. He, he's already. Knock on wood, where knock on wood, he already is doing it. And it's barely year two. It's barely year two. And he's already doing it. Here's the big thing, though. Why is it? Think back, think about it. I don't know the stories of all these schools, but why is it that you think the blue bloods are the way that are the blue bloods? We talked about it because they've always won. They've won in the past. They've kept winning, right? They've had great coaches, legends, this and that. That's why the Blue Bloods are all the Blue Bloods. But let's think about why they became Blue Bloods. All those schools, most of them, they got started by people that were rich as fuck. Someone started a football team. Another guy graduated. He said, damn, I have a ton of money, and I really care about Michigan football. I'm going to give them some money and make sure that they win a lot. That's a good investment for me. That's fun. That's why all these teams, all these organizations, all these powerhouses exist because they have people that care about what they do that are willing to give them disgusting amounts of money to accomplish their goal. Disgusting amounts. Disgusting amounts. Okay. That's why all these blue bloods are the way that they are. Traditionally, the schools that aren't blue bloods don't have as much money can't pour it. They can't get the huge stadium. They can't get the insane weight room with a waterfall in it. This and that many things. Usually they just don't have the budget. Ah, same reason. It's funny how in baseball, the Yankees are the blue blood. They have a huge budget. Dodgers are blue blood. They have a huge, but Reds a huge bunch of Cubs. That's weird how that works. That's funny that the big time in soccer, or I mean, in baseball, the teams that get to use the most cash or the teams that do traditionally win more and are considered the elite brands, this and that. Soccer, same thing. Money. Money, like everything else on earth, unfortunately, <laughs> money is what dictates what happens. People want it. They make decisions upon it. If they they find the easiest way to do it, falling back. If you can get rich and you have all the resources to make you win and it's easier to win at Michigan State than LSU, why would you go to LSU? Why would you choose the harder job that's going to get you paid the same? Why would you choose that? Michigan State, I get when you see them, they're not a blue blood. Fine, whatever. Michigan State has history that people just don't understand, though. The Duffy Dougherty, like Duffy Dougherty to, to the game of college football is, I mean, he's like the modern era. 
imagine like the shit that they were doing. I don't know what it was. It definitely wasn't football that they were doing before black kids could play. Duffy Dougherty straight up changed the game. Straight up changed the game. Like that happened at state. People do. I don't know if people don't know that that happened at state. They won Natty. I think did they went two. I know they won one. They won a Natty. They had like the first third and fourth overall pick in a draft once that happened. The D'Antonio years, the pre really Hoyer cousins cook those years, that entire run Michigan state, pretty elite, pretty elite. You look at the basketball program since Tom Izzo got there. The last 20 years, they've made the tournament. They've been the best team in the Big Ten for the last 20. They've dominated. They've almost become, like, I think maybe the first case, the first case in basketball or in sports that I'm aware of or would ever think about where a team became a blue blood. Michigan State, yeah, they had magic. Fucking unreal. They won the one and then ho-hum. Then 2000, Tom Izzo, they win. They go back to back. Final fours, that is. Tom Izzo keeps making it. Final four, final four. He can't win another one or hasn't yet, but he's making a ton of final fours. And State isn't considered a blue blood. But now, I feel like when you look at Michigan State, I'm for sure kind of a homer. But when you look at Michigan State, they're the next man in. If there's, if you're saying like UNC, Kentucky, who are the, who am I forgetting? Like IU, UCLA, Duke. I guess IU and UCLA, I don't even know. But Duke, Kansas, if you said they're the Blue Blood, State's like the next guy. If we get one more, it's State. But the point I'm I'm saying is State isn't that close because of their ancient history. State is there because of their recent history. Because Tom Izzo decided. The university gave him what he needed, and they decided, yeah, we're just going to be sick at basketball. We're just going to be nuts at basketball, and that's the way it is. What if people aren't considering this, or I get people don't talk about it? I made a TikTok saying why Mel's not going to go to LSU or why it doesn't make sense. I see the reasons there are. Yeah, LSU, cool program, all that shit. I'm telling you why he won't. I'm getting people saying, oh, my God. Oh, my God. LSU can offer so much more than Michigan State. Oh, my God. Can they, though? What if Michigan State? By hire or by making that hire of Mel, by giving him the bag, giving him meeting every demand. What if in that moment, that decision, the logic and reasoning behind it, the purpose was they sat around in a meeting one day, whoever the board, and they looked at each other and they said, you know what? Let's fucking be elite at football. That was awesome. Those years where D'Antonio was winning a ton, that was awesome. We made a shit ton of money. The brand was huge. That was awesome. Let's do that again. We proved we can do it once. And we were kind of, they probably look, we were kind of being pussies with the budget. We didn't give them enough money, but we still kind of got it done. Imagine if we open up the purse, they examine Michigan, maybe Ohio State. They look at, all right, how much are these guys paying? They open up the purse. They gave Mel a contract that they've never even considered giving anyone else. Paid a buyout. Gave him his salary pool for his assistance. Gave him everything he needed. They're building a new football facility. You don't think that series of decisions, all that stuff happening at one time, you don't think that's by design? What if Michigan State is just trying to do what they did with basketball? What if they said, you know what? 
let's just be a blue blood. Obviously, again, the blue blood, the history. But what if they said, let's compete with the blue bloods? Let's be elite. Let's be one of the top 10 programs in the country. We know we can. We didn't give the, nearly the money these other programs did during those years, and we were still there. What if we gave them the money of those programs? Think about that for a second. What if that's the decision Michigan State made? Everyone telling me, LSU, they're such a bigger program. Oh, they've won before. Oh, this and that, the boosters, the money, everything you can offer recruiting. What if Michigan State, Matt Ishbia, Dan Gilbert, those guys are donating. They have so much money and they're always donating. They have the boosters, not to mention all the other rich-ass fucking people that would love to see Michigan State football be elite. You don't think Michigan State can pony up any amount of cash in the world? People on that TikTok commenting let me, oh, LSU just has – they're bigger. They have the money. They have the boosters. You don't think Michigan State can offer anything in the world to someone? Do people know what Michigan State is? That's what I almost don't understand about it. I get the chirping of the blue blood thing. They don't have the history. This and that. Forget the past. As of right now. Do people not realize what Michigan State is? It is a Michigan State is a fucking machine of human beings. Do you know how many great, successful, unbelievable people have come from Michigan State? Do you know how many there are? Michigan State, if they want to, can be a fucking war machine with the sole purpose of annihilating every other Big Ten program. They can do that. Michigan State, we can do that. People just don't seem to realize that, though. What if Michigan State just decided, you know what, let's fucking be elite. Let's do it. What if that's the decision? People, They're going to hire them away. Hey, Mel, we're not going to let you get away. We are giving you everything you need. Everything you need, Mel. What if that's what's going on? I feel like nobody – you think it's a coincidence they're building a brand new – I don't know how much it was, like $30 million or something. Crazy. A, a shit ton of money. They're building a brand new football facility. You think that's a coincidence that that randomly is just happening as Mel Tucker gets hired for a record high contract, a higher number than I think most people around MSU would ever expect? or at least history dictated. That's what MSU's been getting ragged on for years is not shelling out when it comes to the football team. They've had the runs. They've had the swells where they're good and they're doing cool stuff, winning bowl games. And then Nick Saban gets an offer from LSU and MSU doesn't match it. Michigan State seems to have made a decision that they will. LSU offers $7 million a year, Mel? Okay, but seven it is. MSU... What if that's what just what's going on? They know Michigan State could become a powerhouse. What if they are deciding to, deciding to actually do it? It's all money, baby. You think there's it's weird or it's random that Georgia and Alabama are the best schools in the country because they have ungodly amounts of money poured into them each year? Texas would be one where it's crazy that they aren't because they have so much money. Michigan. Ohio State, you don't think they're just having sickening quantities of cash poured into them every year? You you don't think that's why they're always good? You don't think that's the case? They're, it's money. The facilities, 
what the coaches get paid. Assistance too, very important. The attendance, the stadium, the jersey sales, the merch sales, whatever. You don't think Michigan State could pony up that money? You don't think that's the reason? And that's what I'm trying to say. That's that's maybe not all the reason. Sure, you got to find the right guy. You got to find the Nick Sabans of the world. That's true. You got to hire well, like any company, like any business. Hire well. You need good people working for you. And Michigan State seems to have found a good person at a very important position. You think Michigan State, when they offered Mel, they were like, damn, well, we just gave him a shit ton of money and we, we may do it again. We're building this new building. I really hope he wins a bunch of games here. You don't think that was the exact fucking thought process they had when they offered him? I hope he wins a ton of games here. Well, guess what? It's year two. He shouldn't be winning games, and he is. It's no surprise others want him. It's no surprise. LSU traditionally is the football power. What if Michigan State just says, oh, all right, um, now we're we're decide- we're going to be a football power now too, Louisiana, so whatever offer you have, we'll fucking double it. I don't even care. <laughs> you think we can't? Matt Ishbia could buy your entire school if you wanted to, right? You don't, you don't think we can? What if that's MSU's just anteing up? They're saying, you know what? Maybe it won't work. Hopefully it does. We think we got a guy. We think we got the guy. We think we got someone who will turn this or, or turn this program and run it, especially with the cash, the budget, the commitment behind them, and run it to an elite level. They think they found that guy. They paid when they got him, when they were hoping that he is that guy. They were like, fuck, that's a lot of money. Hopefully it works. Now they know he's that guy. You think they're just going to do all that work, pay all that money, and be like, oh, that sucks. You think they're going to build that facility to let that guy get away? They are going to make him any offer he needs. They are going to match. They are going to outbid. Whatever LSU has, MSU will come with more. People need to look at the signs. People need to look at what's happening, dude. Everyone who's freaking out about Mel and this and that. Yes, it under I understand the whole, oh, LSU traditional power. But like I said, what if Michigan State deciding to maybe try and be one of those powers? We need to think about that. There's a football facility, a fucking facility. Again, that's not a coincidence. They paid Mel. They paid him. He was committed. I th- I think people give him a lot of shit. Fair enough. Whatever. The Colorado thing. I think he was like wanted to stay at Colorado. Whatever they came with. Maybe it was like two mil a year, three mil a year. I don't know what he's making at CU. Then he was like, I can't do it for that. What if they came back? Or or I think I read the interview. He said, this is how much I'll need. This is what I'm going to need for my assistance. This He came out fucking ready to go. And they said, let's do it, Mel. The whole, I read an article from Alan Haller, the current AD, which again, another reason he'll stay. He's friends with Alan Haller. He wanted Alan Haller to be the next AD, and now he is. During the interview, Alan Haller wrote Mel Tucker had a binder specifically titled Michigan State and had everything laid out his budget, how he would do it, how he's going to do it, why he wants to do it, everything laid out for Michigan State specifically, not any program, MSU specifically. He said, this is what we need. This is the money for this, this, and this. He looked at Allen. There's a quote, fucking goosebumps. He said, I think we have the resources. Or if we can get the resources, I think MSU has the resources. I really believe we can win a national championship there. 
he knows MSU has the resources. He was around it. And again, maybe that's a thing where unless you're around it, unless you're familiar, I suppose, with the MSU community, people just don't realize, like, people fucking care. I know it's not Ohio State. It's not Alabama. People fucking care about sports here. There's like five months, four months of the year where people in this state don't do anything except watch sports. I think people just, it's like, oh, Michigan State, they're a basketball. They don't care about football. People fucking care about football. People care about football. People love football. They love Michigan State football. They can be. They have the people. They have the support to be that school. I really fucking hope, again, again, I firmly believe Mel's here. I mean, there's no reason to stay beyond all that, dude. Imagine moving your family for the third time in four years. Moving in college when you're like, fuck, I got to move an entire block. That sucks. Imagine moving across the country three times in four years. There's just so many reasons for Mel to stay. So many. The facility, MSU, I think, has gotten to a point where they're ready to just make financial commitments where they're like, fuck it, dude. You need four more mil. You're getting four more mil. Let's rock. Let's do this thing. I, we want to win too. MSU's making financial commitments. He's got his guy at AD. His first job was at Michigan State. Say what you will. It's got to mean something to him. I know it's like, oh, he worked at LSU too. First job rather than a random assistant job. The first job's probably a little more memorable. He's still young. He's making memories. He kind of probably prefers East Lansing when he's like 24 versus being 40. And, and, and we got guys like Matt Ishby and Dan Gilbert that are just a bank. They're just a bank with an infinite line of credit. I think people forget or don't want to acknowledge that Michigan State could just be deciding to, to be one of those schools. All of this happens, much like most things in the world. It all happens because of money. MSU's always had the ability to get that money if they wanted it, if they decided so, if the people with the money decided so. Maybe it's time. Maybe maybe the, the people have. The powers that be, they've said, you know what, Michigan State, they're going to just be very good at, bas- or at football now, guys. That's it. We're going to give them a ton of money. We're going to get the best talent in the world. We're going to get the best coaches, the best players, the best facilities, and we're going to win a ton. What if that's just what happened? MSU, people don't know it. People don't think it. They don't want to acknowledge it. MSU and the people affiliated with the Michigan State University, they they can do that. They have the resources. It's a matter of, hey, do you want to? Maybe they just said yes. All right, that's all I got today. Hope everybody has a lovely Tuesday afternoon, evening, morning, whatever it is. Appreciate everyone listening. Um, I'll be back here Thursday. We'll be at Second String tomorrow and Friday. All right, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow.